the best of times. Live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana. Celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Coligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Coligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pup application and the Keel application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about the medical field of rheumatology and the latest in treatment. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial information. It is Saturday, December the 21st, and we are broadcasting our radio show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the December issue of the Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. We do thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. This issue in December was a very, very popular issue. If you're unable to find a copy at one of our distribution locations, remember, you can always visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our publication, as well as to view and download the current 2019 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory on our website, which is, by the way, the most popular publication that the Best of Times publishes, and it's the most frequently downloaded and viewed item on our website. In addition, on the website, you can listen to previously broadcast radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour, as well as you can visit the Apple Podcast under the Best of Times Radio Hour to listen via your uh, Apple or Android device, the, uh, the radio shows that have been broadcast here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by A-Bears, Town & Country, Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show as a special guest is board-certified rheumatologist, Dr. Robert Goodman, of the Arthritis and Rheumatology Clinic located here in the Shreveport area. Thank you, Doc, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, uh, your field of rheumatology is been a, a fascinating field that I that I I want to learn more about today. You're going to educate us a little bit about that, as well as I know my listeners out there throughout the Arklatex are, are very interested in this topic because many of those individuals you may be taking care of, but others may be needing to be taken care of as well, right? Glad to try to help. So, where first of all, tell our lo- tell our listeners out there where you're located. I'm at uh, 740 Jordan Street, which is just off Line Avenue uh, in Shreveport, near the intersection of I-49 and I-20. You've been there several years. That's right. I've been there uh, almost 30 years. 30 years. That's you started correct. when you were very young, Doc. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and one thing I I love it when physicians when I have them on my show is. Um, you 
you're accepting new patients, right? That's right. I'm still accepting new patients. And that is sometimes quite rare in our, in our medical world right now, yes, right? Yes, I have nurse practitioners who, uh, when the follow-up patients um, are fairly stable, uh, they can take care of those patients. Awesome. And that opens some more time to be true physician extender so that I can open up new patient slots and accept uh, new patients. I went to your website. It's uh, www.arthdoc.com. Fascinated, fascinating website. Very That's right. We were able to get that uh, website uh, by uh, getting in there early and uh, getting arthdoc.com mm-hmm. okay. website. Very easy. And you do have a Facebook page. That's right. Um, Arthdoc is your Facebook uh, login logo. So uh, tell our listeners after after this show, if they want to get in touch with your office, they can call you at? Um, our phone number is 318-424-9240. That's 424-9240. So, tell us a little bit about the training of a rheumatologist. Well, a a rheumatologist starts out going through a a traditional medical school and then uh, doing training in internal medicine, which is the subspecialty that deals with complex uh, problems of adults, as opposed to a pediatrician who would deal with uh, uh, complex medical problems of children. So, A rheumatologist does three years of training in internal medicine, Mm -hmm. and then they would take additional training in the subspecialty of internal medicine known as rheumatology. This would be very parallel, Gary, to a cardiologist who who does internal medicine and then does uh, uh, additional training in cardiology, or a gastroenterologist who does internal medicine and then does additional training in uh, intestinal tract diseases. So you went to um, LSU Baton Rouge? Uh, went to LSU Baton Rouge. Fantastic. That's right. Fantastic. Oh, let's, let's hope they win the national championship again. We hope so. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited. My, uh, Of course, my my uh, daughter went there. My son went to medical school. And you went to LSU Medical School. I went to it? LSU Medical School here in Shreveport. And then where did you where did you do your residency? I, I did a residency in internal medicine um, in the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina. Great city, great city. I don't know about the school there, but I know about been to Charleston several times. Great city, great. That city. medical school is one of the oldest uh, medical schools in the South. Wow, wow. So. Tell her, I mean, I was telling you, this is one field that I'm not really familiar with. It's sad, you know, there's so many med- fantastic medical fields out there, but, you know, all of us. So so tell us a little bit about it. So then we're, we're going to get into some specifics here, but tell us a little bit about it. Well, uh, rheumatology is the subspecialty of internal medicine that deals with complex musculoskeletal diseases and complex autoimmune diseases. So after doing the internal medicine training, I did uh, two years of training at the Medical University uh, at the University of Tennessee Center for Health Sciences in Memphis doing a rheumatology fellowship. I then became both board certified in internal medicine and in rheumatology. So are we talking about trauma with joints and bones or are we talking about uh What's attacking? What, what's what, what, what's attacking and causing that arthritic condition of that room? 
or that well, other condition. A rheumatologist would work with orthopedic surgeons very much like a cardio- cardiologist would work with cardiovascular surgeons. The orthopedic surgeon would take care of trauma of the joints and he might be uh, doing surgery to repair trauma. He might be putting casts on patients to repair broken bones. Uh, the rheumatologist, however, would be dealing with musculoskeletal problems that didn't occur due to trauma. Maybe they developed gradually from wear and tear, or maybe they fell, uh, developed suddenly from um, what is an autoimmune disease. And many of our diseases are autoimmune diseases, meaning the our own immune system, our own white blood cells, attacks the joints and causes joint damage. Why does it attack the joints? Um, many times we don't know. Uh, however, uh, some t- it seems to be that uh, something happens uh, in the environment and perhaps that uh, problem might be that you and I have certain uh, bacteria that are living in our body hmm. and our immune system tolerates those bacteria. But a subset of the population doesn't tolerate that bacteria and creates an autoimmune response attacking the bacteria and in that um, in that response the joints may be damaged as a byproduct of this immunologic attack so it's a byproduct it's not a direct relationship now, and, and so it might be that uh, the immune system makes a mistake in a certain subpopulation of uh, patients and causes some of these diseases and damages the joints as if it's attacking a bacteria or virus. And this set of diseases are called autoimmune diseases. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis is a classic autoimmune disease, as is psoriatic arthritis and lupus. Um, and those are in the rheumatology field. Another autoimmune disease is Crohn's disease, which oh, no. our gastroenterology colleagues would deal with. Okay, uh, I didn't know Crohn's disease is related in the autoimmune system. That's right. And so um, a lot of times rheumatologists will do, be doing a lot of um, similar things to the, for the joints to help the joints be healthy that a gastroenterologist would be uh, dealing with in a patient that has uh, the autoimmune diseases, Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. So um, one question I have, I've had some other physicians on our show uh, prior. Uh, is it, has any research been done, you or others? Is it, is it DNA related? Are we well, done doing it, DNA it, research it, on this? There's a, a lot of research on, on exactly that. And it might be, um, and to introduce our listeners to a concept called the microbiome. And what the microbiome is, is the community of bacteria that is in our body. Okay. And we have a lot of bacteria in our large intestines. We have a, a lot of bacteria on our skin. We have a lot of bacteria in our mouth. And most of us, our immune system is at peace with those <laughs> bacteria. But in some of us, um, the immune system may view those bacteria as a threat. And those uh, patients might start developing an autoimmune attack on a particular part of the body. In the case of um, rheumatoid arthritis, as an example, we think that 
There's um, uh, some people's microbiome, that is the community of bacteria in their mouth, may look more threatening than it would to you or me, Gary. Hmm. And those people would develop an autoimmune attack on their joints that we recognize as rheumatoid arthritis. Another group of people might view the bacteria in the intestinal tract in the colon as being threatening. And whereas 99% of the population views the bacteria as normal, uh, 1% or a half a percent of the population might view the bacteria in the colon as a threat and cause the disease Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, which is an inflammatory process on the inner lining of the colon that our gastroenterology colleagues would be dealing with, or uh, in a slightly different population, they might get uh, an immunologic attack on the inner lining of the joint that is called the synovium, creating inflammation of the synovium, and that inflammation is called synovitis, that is the uh, uh, theory of how some people get rheumatoid arthritis. So to answer your question, some people's DNA may be less tolerant of the bacteria in the mouth than others. And um, they that 1% of the population develops rheumatoid arthritis, whereas 99% of the population is tolerant of this bacteria. Why I'm asking this is I've seen in other medical fields there's certain triggers that there's a problem that the DNA gets uh, corrupt or gets uh, aberrant or something by smoking, by something trauma that changes that program in there that I'm saying we thought that might be the case in in, in regarding... uh, uh, arthritic and other rheumatoid issues? Well, uh, uh, Gary, as a matter of fact, that that is uh, um, an interesting story that we could talk quite a bit about. <laughs> uh, but um, And that smoking may play a role in uh, changing this community of bacteria in the mouth of people, and that may make the community of bacteria, the microbiome, right. Right. feel more, seem more threatening and that can lead to rheumatoid arthritis. And it's interesting that paleontologists who <laughs> uh, study um, uh, skeletal remains did not find much evidence of rheumatoid arthritis in Europe until after um, the Americas were colonized. Whoa. And um, they, in, uh, they brought back tobacco and it became in vogue in Northern Europe. And after that, we started seeing an increased incidence or evidence of what appeared to be rheumatoid arthritis in France and England and other northern European populations that may have been introduced as Sir Walter Raleigh and others are bringing tobacco from the Carolinas and the Virginias and it becomes in vogue in Elizabethan England and in in 17th and 18th and 19th century France. Remarkable. So that's that's the advocacy I want you to mention to my listeners. There's another reason why you should not if you quit smoking, reduce smoking, or quit it altogether. It affects lots of different functions, not just your lungs and your heart, but it also going to affect your arthritic conditions and possibly other other issues. Yes, and it it, it may be that um, human beings, uh, some population of them had a change in the exact makeup of the community of bacteria 
in their mouth when smoking was introduced into Europe. And maybe they live in a house with somebody else and that bacteria gets spread to somebody that is a family member of theirs that is susceptible to getting rheumatoid arthritis. Maybe their DNA mm-hmm. uh, is um, oh. susceptible and they see this new change in the bacteria of uh, family members and yeah. get rheumatoid arthritis. I'm not saying that everybody has to smoke cigarettes to get, get rheumatoid yeah. arthritis, and people who don't smoke don't it, get it. But it probably exacerbates. We, we can get, yeah, we can definitely go. So I have a great interest and passion in that. Once I did 23andMe, and once I met with physicians and researchers at LSU Medical School, I was I've been fascinated by DNA and DNA research and all the genome and all that particular item. If I, if I was younger, I would go back to medical school and, and go into that particular field. And I, Gary, we can talk about DNA even in a different way uh, when we get to the disease lupus, which true, is really true, a fascinating true. disease. Okay, so one thing I was very proud to learn... Uh, and, at your office is you have the latest in technology and, and clinical laboratories, et cetera. But you also have, and explain to our listeners, I, I, I'm not a, familiar with this, is a is the first facility to, in Louisiana, northwest Louisiana, have a densometer? densometer? A densometer. Um, okay. What, um, is, what is it? Uh, in about uh, 19, uh, in the late 90s, uh, a bone densitometry is a special type of X-ray that looks at the density oh. of bones, uh, and it will measure how uh, strong are your bones to look for osteoporosis. Okay, so it, but it's, what is it generally done? It is, um, it is uh, done on patients that might be susceptible to having thin bones, and that would be uh, women as they uh, get beyond menopause and. Uh, both sexes, if they have to be on certain medicines like steroid medications, so tradi- their bones might a traditional X-ray brittle. will not determine that. A huh? traditional X-ray just looks at um, the bones in kind of a um, a general way, and uh, a, uh, a bone density can say. And a traditional X-ray is kind of like looking a photog- uh, a photographer looking at a photograph and say it's underexposed or overexposed. A bone densitometry uh, x-ray is a special type of x-ray that gets you more precise within one or two percentage points of how dense the bone really is. Okay, and so depending on that is how you would treat a person and depending on it, right? That's right. And so that would be uh, dealing with patients with osteoporosis. So a person who has very uh, normal bones, they would um, be called normal. Uh, and a person who has very low bone mass compared to their population would have osteoporosis. And those in the in between would have osteopenia. Okay, and so I'll those terms that. can yes. allow doctors to better treat patients to try to make their bones stronger and prevent those fractures so you don't end up with the orthopedic surgeon. So tell our listeners, which I thought this was fascinating... How many types of conditions do a rheumatologist could treat? Well, there's really a hundred different diseases that a rheumatologist wow. might treat. And uh, all of them have joint or musculoskeletal pain. So um, it can be very uh, daunting to a primary care doctor to try to discern the nuances between all of these different diseases. And can an individual have multiple multiple conditions? Well, I wish there was a rule that said you can only get one type of arthritis, but there is, isn't. Is that... So you can get gout and osteoarthritis. You can get um, rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia. You can get lupus and osteoporosis. We're going to talk about some of these, but what I want to emphasize to my listeners, it's better to diagnose 
it quicker than to wait till the later on in life, right? Exactly. We can do a lot more and uh, try to limit the damage or arrest the damage uh, in some of the diseases. And, and in the past uh, 10 or 15 years, we've made great strides. That is, medical science in general and rheumatology in particular has made great strides in many of these diseases. Hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel. Proudly presented by A-Bears, Tenant Country at Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour. Proudly presented by A-Bears, Tenant Country at Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest, is board certified rheumatologist, Dr. Robert Good of the Arthritis and Rheumatology Clinic here in Shreveport. Thank you, Doctor, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Glad to be here. It's been quite interesting. I've already learned a lot in the first segment here, so we got we got a couple more segments to talk with you. Wish we had a lot more time. So give our l- listeners a little bit of differences between osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. Osteoarthritis is the most common type of arthritis, and rheumatoid arthritis is certainly in the top three or four. Osteoarthritis is the wear and tear type of arthritis, Gary. Um, and rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease, an autoimmune uh, arthritis. So the osteo is caused by playing football, too much tennis, That's et right. Exactly. So it is a wear and tear arthritis on a, on a magnifying glass and microscopic level. The cartilages that are the cushions between one bone and the next have been damaged. They might have been damaged because of football injury of a high school player uh, at age 18. And then um, 15, 20, 25 years later, that knee um, that had the damage, the injury at age 18 has now developed osteoarthritis and they may need a total knee replacement, which brings a point that osteoarthritis is often in the weight-bearing joints. Okay. Rheumatoid arthritis, on the other hand, is uh, due to the uh, immune system attacking itself, uh, uh, attacking the inner lining of the joints, as we mentioned in the earlier segment. And so rheumatoid arthritis might be in the small joints of the hands, not so much in the weight-bearing joints. So I was going to ask you, what triggers what triggers the autoimmune? Is there something that causes the, the, your, your body to say, I want to start attacking myself? Well, uh, we don't fully understand that, but we're starting to glean uh, information that some people's DNA, may they may inherit different factors of their immune system. Next to the brain, I think the immune system is the second most common, most complex um, system in the body. And so some people might inherit a tendency um, to uh, get rheumatoid arthritis. So their immune system has something about it that they inherit from their uh, parents or their grandparents that they would be predisposed to get rheumatoid arthritis and that at some point in life uh, their immune system um, starts attacking the joints and the tendons but especially the joints and sometimes that attack seems to be triggered by uh, the immune system reacting to the bacterial flora which is called which we talked about in the earlier segment called the microbiome 
um, to cause this inflammatory process of rheumatoid arthritis. So whereas osteoarthritis is a wear and tear process, rheumatoid arthritis is an inflammatory autoimmune process. So you as a physician could diagnose what, which one they have by how? By how? Well, you look at a variety of things. Uh, in this uh, area of diseases, it's really um, a, a rheumatologist really is a medical detective. So the symptoms may clue you in. Um, osteoarthritis, the stiffness in the morning is going to be um, uh, for 10 or 15 minutes. Rheumatoid arthritis, the stiffness in the morning might be an hour, two hours, three hours. Osteoarthritis is going to be something that, oh, I had a trick knee since football in <laughs> high school, and it's kind of gradually got worse over the oh, years okay. or decades. Rheumatoid arthritis might get worse on a quicker basis, maybe not over days, but over weeks or months. So somebody with osteoarthritis might gradually get pain in their knee and swelling in their knee. The person with rheumatoid arthritis might fairly suddenly from, say, November till uh, December or from uh, Labor Day till Christmas um, get a lot of pain and swelling, not just in a knee, but also in the small joints of the hands or in the wrist or in the ankles that didn't have that trauma um, that the knee joint might have had. I was amazed uh, how prevalent these two conditions are. So They really are. Um, uh, osteoarthritis is the most common type of arthritis. It's the most common reason for a person to have a, a knee replacement. It's probably tied or the second most common reason for uh, a person to have a hip replacement. Complications of osteoarthritis can pinch nerves in the small of the back and cause discs to have oh. wear and tear okay. on them. And when those discs have wear and tear, when those uh, uh, bone spurs develop in the small of the back, those discs and bone spurs may squeeze their neighbor, which is a nerve going to the right or left leg. So that symptom suggests a narrowing of the joints of the spinal cord and the passages where the nerves pass it pass to the right and left leg and that narrowing in latin is called stenos so spinal stenosis, stenosis is often a complication of osteoarthritis and because treatments re regarding that is true how do treatments be and, a surgery right and, and treatments for that would uh, there are medicines that help but many times that would be the person who has to get back surgery for a complication of osteoarthritis, which is a narrowing of those openings called spinal stenosis. So probably, again, uh, the most common reason to have a knee replacement, mm -hmm. um, uh, osteoarthritis, the most uh, a very common reason to have a hip replacement or back surgery is a complication of osteoarthritis. But the 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 RA swelling in the and I thought this was interesting in the pair of joints it's that's right rheumatoid arthritis the immune system if it makes a mistake it might attack the small joints of the of the left hand equally to the small joints of the right hand osteoarthritis might be more asymmetrical hmm. if you had an uh, um, a an meniscal injury, injury or an, an ACL or an anterior cruciate ligament injury um, of your right knee when you were 18, then you would get osteoarthritis in that right knee early. But rheumatoid arthritis is going to be symmetrical because the immune system thinks there's a threat in the 
small joints of the left hand equal to the threat in the small joints of the right hand. So rheumatoid arthritis is symmetrical. Never heard that before. That is amazing. So so if somebody has it on both hands, both feet, both area, it's more than RA than a, than a reminding of a football injury. That's right. So and, and the football injury patient might say, I'm stiff for 10 or 15 minutes in the morning. The, osteoarthritis, the rheumatoid arthritis patient's boy, I am mm-hmm. stiff for an hour, an hour and a <laughs> half or two hours. And if I go back to last summer, I went on a vacation to uh, Colorado or went on a vacation to with Gary uh, to China and was able to walk, but now I can't even get around. Hmm. Interesting. So what are the treatments for these two conditions? Well, the treatment for osteoarthritis can be um, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medicines. Um, and more recently, a medicine called duloxetine or Cymbalta was oh. approved for osteoarthritis. Sometimes um, uh, the rheumatologist would be working with our orthopedic surgery colleagues if a joint is totally worn out. And that would be the knee replacement, the hip replacement, the um, surgery on the uh, the back. So do rheumatologists do the injection of the, the in, into the various joints to give them the fluid? To we, make... we might do those injections, especially joints that are close to the surface, but our uh, orthopedic surgery colleagues are more <laughs> skilled with joints that are harder to hit, and their orthopedic surgery colleagues would be doing the surgery um, uh, whereas the rheumatologist would be, be doing the medical treatment for these diseases, very much like a cardiologist would do medical treatments and, and catheterizations, whereas a cardiovascular surgeon would be doing the bypass. So, so for RA, just one more thing about treatments. Is it better to have uh, this, to reduce the swelling as quickly as possible? It is, and um, with rheumatoid arthritis, um, it's, if we think about it as very much like a army, that is making a mistake and attacking uh, the wrong thing and engaging in friendly fire. And so there's a a chain of command where um, some of the cells in the immune system send a message to other cells in the immune system. There's an enemy in the joints of the, the small joints of the right hand and the small joints of the left hand and a bunch of white blood cells march off, if you will, uh, to those joints and attack those joints and cause those joints to be inflamed. So the initial um, uh, treatment for rheumatoid arthritis that was developed in the 1950s and then in the 1980s is to to push back on the entire immune system with steroids, for oh, example. Oh, okay. And then of so all it, things, it takes everything off. That's when you take the, the steroid and, and steroids, wow. or to uh, you to try to find. Um, and the, to ask the question, if it's a, possibly a bacterial infection, use a, an antibacterial medicine. So sulfur drugs were used in the 1930s. And then um, later, gold shots were used for mm. rheumatoid arthritis. And gold shots were probably used from about World War II till as recently as the 1980s. Um, uh, after that, a medicine called methotrexate. Uh, was developed and it was sort of borrowed from our cancer chemotherapy doctors to use methotrexate to treat both rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis, but it's um, uh, in doses that would be one five hundredth of what the cancer doctors are giving the cancer patients with cancers of the immune system. Really interesting. But more recently, um, uh, medicines that 
uh, are called biological medicines have been developed to treat rheumatoid arthritis. Some of those earliest biological medicines are Enbrel and Humira that block chemicals that are kind of like a communicating protein between leukocytes and leukocytes are white blood cells so uh, if you have a communicating protein between leukocytes those are called interleukins so interleukins uh, these communicating proteins that are sort of like an official order from an officer to the enlisted men that says there's an enemy in the joints of the hands attack the joint (laughs) but we use medicines that block these messages block the orders block the orders and some of the earliest was one of them was called Enbrel Mm -hmm. and it blocked a order that was called tumor necrosis factor and um, uh, then a few years later Humira is another medicine that was found to be very helpful in blocking tumor necrosis factor and when that occurs then that decreases the marching of the white blood cells into the joints the attack of the redness warmth and swelling in the joints and so it diminishes inflammation wow, so and that's thereby, quite effective thereby diminishing the potential damage to the joints that can occur in rheumatoid arthritis so hopefully we have fewer people with gnarled up hands and gnarled up feet um, nowadays and with the um, advent of these newer biologic medicines that's fascinating. So let's touch let's touch about the topic about lupus. That is quite quite familiar. Quite amongst my listeners, I know several people that have been diagnosed and and treated for. So explain what it is and and how is it treated. Sure, Gary. Lupus is um, an autoimmune disease as well. In it, the joints can be attacked as if there's an enemy in the joint, very much like rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. But where lupus is different from rheumatoid arthritis is in rheumatoid arthritis, the uh, damage to the small joints is the dominant feature of rheumatoid arthritis. It's not the sole feature of rheumatoid arthritis, but it's the dominant feature of rheumatoid arthritis. In lupus, the immunologic attack can be on the joints, but it can also be on the skin, on the uh, kidneys, on the lining around the heart and lungs, on the white blood cells and platelets, and a variety of organs inside the body. So lupus can be attacking both the joints and the organs inside the body and the skin. And in lupus, though the joint disease is part of the problem, Sometimes a bigger problem can be if there's an attack on a vital organ like the kidneys that ends up causing a person to have no kidney function and end up on dialysis. So how is it diagnosed? So lupus is diagnosed by certain lab tests that are helpful, um, that are immunologic lab tests, um, and uh, rheumatoid arthritis has immunologic lab tests as well. Uh, For rheumatoid arthritis, one of those lab tests is called the rheumatoid factor. Another one is called the cyclic citrullinated peptide test, or nobody wants to say that too often, so (laughs) it's called a CCP. In lupus, uh, a lab test called an anti-nuclear antibody test, or ANA, has uh, been uh, used, and it is helpful but the ANA alone doesn't make the diagnosis. You need to do so you had multiple tests of medical detective work. And 
the ANA um, is uh, lupus is diagnosed based kind of like a detective putting together a di- um, um, solving a crime based upon circumstantial evidence, and so. Oh. Um, that would be the case with lupus. Are there different together. conditions of lupus? Is it more severe, less severe? Is it? Is it, it is more severe and less severe, and it can be lupus in the skin, lupus in the joints, lupus in the kidneys, and lupus in the other. So wherever as well. wherever the, the the occurrences or occurrences are, that's how you as a physician treats that. And how but, how is it treated? I, I hear people have it, but nobody ever tells me how it's been treated. Well, lupus is treated by, again, suppressing the immune system. So at the same time that rheumatoid arthritis, uh, w- uh, the use of steroids was found to be helpful in rheumatoid arthritis, the use of steroids was uh, developed in the 1950s and 60s to treat lupus. But steroids have a lot of side effects, and um, there have been developed some other treatments as well. Good deal. Hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're more sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears Tenant Country Rush Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Abears, Tenant Country S. Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today as a special guest is board-certified rheumatologist, Dr. Robert Goodman of the Arthritis and Rheumatology Clinic here in Shreveport. Thank you, doctor, for joining us today. Fascinating. Glad to be back. Boy, I've been learning so much. So let's talk about one important uh, condition which I, I hear more women by the way i think you're going to mention that more women say they have this or is diagnosed with this or is treated for this i, I don't hear too many men fibromyalgia right well uh, uh, yeah i'm glad to talk about fibromyalgia gary fibromyalgia we have been talking about rheumatoid arthritis and mm-hmm. osteoarthritis and lupus osteoarthritis a wear and tear type rheumatoid arthritis and lupus are autoimmune diseases right. rheumatoid arthritis the autoimmune disease attacks mainly the joints lupus the autoimmune disease attacks the joints to some extent but lots of organs inside the body and this is uh, those are diseases where the white blood cells are the mischief makers in fibromyalgia it is more a neuropathic pain disease which means the nerves process pain in a different way that causes fibromyalgia so it's pain in different parts of the body that's right and occur in different types women tell me they just have pain all of a sudden but but that's right um and is uh, it more prevalent before we get off i know my my ladies out there and men are out is it more prevalent in in women Yes, um, uh, women get uh, fibromyalgia 85 or 90% of the time. Men can get it 10 or 15% of the time. However, if men have sleep apnea, they may also get fibromyalgia. So uh, I do have some patients that are men um, that have fibromyalgia, but many of them will have sleep apnea. Okay, so so tell our listeners in fibromyalgia, what are some of the symptoms that they may have it? The symptoms of fibromyalgia have been widespread pain both above and below the waist, 
uh, and both on the right and the left side that has been lasting. Is it asymmetrical? Is it symmetrical like the other? It tends to be more symmetrical, both the right and the left shoulder, both the right and the left hip. I'm learning Um, something new today. um, in fibromyalgia may seem like it's in the shoulder or hip, but it, but when the patients try to pinpoint it, it's more in the soft tissues. And uh, as we understand more about fibromyalgia, it seems to be more of a neuropathic pain disease that is similar to other neuropathic pain diseases like the uh, diabetic neuropathy, mm-hmm. which is a neuropathic yeah. pain disease. Uh, the neuropathy that occurs when somebody had shingles a few months ago, they may have nerve pain where they had shingles last month or the month before. That is a neuropathic nerve pain. And if somebody lost a limb, like if you had a brave soldier in Afghanistan or Iraq and they lost a limb, they might have pain where the limb used to be, which is phantom pain. Those are three examples, diabetic neuropathy, phantom pain, and the pain after shingles called postherpetic neuralgia that are neuropathic pain diseases that are involved pain processing. Okay, one quick follow-up. So regarding pain, and I know you and other physicians, and when I go to various visit physicians and when when I'm admitted to hospital, they ask me, so on the pain level, is it 1 to 10? So in fibromyalgia, is it one is it five? It, it's all over the map. Um, it, you know, so as not persistently you know, it might be a nine or a ten. Oh, uh, but wow! It, uh, but it would, but it can respond to treatment, and um, it seems to be that um, it uh, as uh, people get uh, as you and I are sitting here, um, we will have uh, a little bit of pain because we're sitting in a chair for a mm-hmm. long period of time. But um, we will secrete um, a chemical called norepinephrine, which uh, says, let's focus on the interview and not focus <laughs> on my back pain. Get the pain away. Um, okay. And um, norepinephrine um, uh, is the neurotransmitter. And what it does is it sends a message to the level of the spinal cord to um, where pain messages, pain synapses come in called uh, the posterior horn cells of the spinal cord. And it allows a us to ignore minor aches and pains. If a person is going to sing an important uh, solo in uh, a Christmas um, uh, ceremony uh, in the next few weeks and they're wearing high, a new pair of heels, oh. the heels might hurt their feet. Okay. But they will uh, secrete just before the, uh, the <laughs> solo performance, they'll start secreting a little bit of norepinephrine and they will ignore their pain. They will ignore the pain in the foot and focus on hitting that high soprano note uh, in, uh, in, in their solo and holding it for a longer period of time. The person with fibromyalgia the, um, tends to have less of that norepinephrine and other oh. neurotransmitters that help them ignore that pain. So can you get this epinephrine? Can you get it? Is it? Synthetic that it can be injected into a person? What you can do is maybe give medicines that increase some of the chemicals that are neurotransmitters oh, wow. um, in the body. Um, and, and you can harness some of them by uh, ex, uh, endogenous endorphins and endogenous neurotransmitters with exercise and diet and a gluten-free diet helps some people with fibromyalgia, but others might need to take medicines that increase the amount of norepinephrine, the amount of GABA, 
in the amount of serotonin. And these are sero- neurotransmitters in the level of the spinal cord to say, ignore this pain and kind of focus on what you have to do in your activities for daily living. So so that's one of the ways that you treat this fibromyalgia. That's right. And, and um, research for other types of pain like diabetic neuropathy, like the neuropathy with shingles and the neuropathy of phantom pain, has allowed the rheumatologist to uh, also adopt some of those same techniques to treat uh, the neuropathic pain syndrome called fibromyalgia. So it's not an inflammatory condition, and anti-inflammatories don't work as well. So so when people are fatigued, that, that, that could be a condition of having fibromyalgia? I noticed that's right. Fatigue and not thinking clearly, and sometimes mm. that same norepinephrine, uh, which, as you can hear in the word, Gary, that mm-hmm. it sounds like epinephrine or yes. adrenaline, um, and adrenaline is our fight-or-flight hormone, but noradrenaline or norepinephrine is our, let's go to work, let's do our interview, let's meet Gary Kaligas, <laughs> and uh, uh, focus on that and not focus on minor aches and well, pains. I never knew about that. That's a power. That's a powerful uh, injection that that your brain your brain gets that in, right? So your brain gets that, and so as we do exercise, we can help increase uh, those neurotransmitters. But if if that doesn't uh, work, then a rheumatologist can help with fibromyalgia. Well, that's a good closing here. So if my listeners out there have any questions about their possible or current uh, arthritic and rheumatological uh, conditions, they do need to contact Mr. Robert, Dr. Robert Goodman, and his telephone number is 424-9240. It's 424-9240. They're located uh, at 740 George Street in Shreveport, right off of Line Avenue, and he is, do, he is accepting new patients and and I love this. No physician referral is required. That's that's even so they go directly to you. They, don't, right, ha, they, have to, they don't have to go to the, the gatekeeper anymore, right? That's right. Um, gatekeepers uh, um, aren't used very much anymore. And that's, so, that's that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Well, thank you for joining us today. I'm going to definitely have you back. There's so many other things I want to discuss with you about gout and many other eating conditions and other types of treatment. Of there's so many other types of we got probably 98 to go, right? 98 different diagnoses <laughs> right. and the rheumatology uh, feel. Fascinating feel. I, as I told you before we come on the show, I did not know a lot about this particular feel. Thank you. You gave us a great uh, bit of information. Hopefully my uh, listeners out there will, will contact you or your staff at your wonderful office there if they have any questions at 424-9240. You can also, uh, if you forget about this number while you're driving, you can pick up an issue of the Best of Times magazine, and he has a promotional advertisement in there and gives all the information about him. So thank you, Doctor, for joining us today here. Thanks. Glad to be here. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Tenant Country Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel. Thank you for listening to our show today. Hope you join us next Saturday for another show that could benefit you or your loved ones. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy, the Best of Times, at one of our 522 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. Best wishes to you for a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. 
You've been listening to The Best of Times on 710 Kiel.